Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Tonight on SportsCenter at 6, looks like he's got that old swing back. We'll break down Tiger's strong second-round action from the Bahamas. And Jimbo Fisher out at Florida State and in at Texas A&M. With the richest contract in college football history, we've got the latest. And it's win and you're in for the CFP Top 4 this weekend. Who has the most at stake? Jesse Palmer weighs in. Plus, don't miss the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson, live with Marty Smith. He's like Benjamin Button. Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. And the crowd goes wild. Aki to say, set, say. See, we're a little bilingual here. Uh, coming up, the lovable Taylor Twelman breaks down the World Cup draw. And just when you think things couldn't get more dramatic at Tennessee, the Vols ousted their athletic director. We'll have the latest on that dumpster fire. But first, let's discuss Jimbo securing the bag. All you young aspiring journalists out there, this is what you call intrepid reporting, at least in 2017. Tallahassee Democrat reporter Wayne McGahee III tweeted this photo Friday of Jimbo Fisher's discarded Christmas tree. <laughs> I put up our, I put our up yet at my house. That's what I'm doing this weekend. Then I'll go to Bed Bath & Beyond, then Home Depot, buy some wallpaper. Okay. Uh, anyway, sure enough, not long after that tweet, McGahee reported that Fisher was leaving FSU and headed, as rumored, to a new gig um, at Texas A&M. Oh. Ten years, $75 million, richest deal in terms of total value in the sports history. Second highest average after saving. Hello, security! Merry Christmas! <laughs> Meanwhile, Jimbo being in limbo cost the Knowles a few recruits. Now, whether it was about staff changes or updating facilities, maybe 11 years is a pretty good time to get out these days. I always say, you know, it's better to get out before they get you up out of the paint. It goes fair. Plus, his boy Scott Woodward is AM's AD. But friendship aside, Woodward is clear that he wants Fisher to go about the business of bringing College Station its first national title since 1939. Then you got DeAndre Francois. Like, damn, even Richie called Barbara to tell him he was leaving up for sunshine. Hey, it's your daddy. Put your mom on the phone. Barbara, it's Richie. Yeah, I ain't never coming home no more. Take it easy. Well done, Michael Smith. Joining us now, Mark Schleybar. A lot of drama here. So, Mark, tell us, was this more about Jimbo Fisher and Florida State being seemingly fed up with one another more than, say, Jimbo seizing an opportunity at Texas A&M? Jamel, I think it's more about Jimbo seizing $75 million. <laughs> I mean, if somebody's coming at you with a 10-year, million, million, $75 million contract, there aren't many coaches out there turning it down. But, you know, he'd been at Florida State for eight years. I think his act had worn a little thin, and I think he was tired of butting heads with Florida State administrators over facilities and coaching contracts and things like that. But, again, this is the richest contract in the sports history, as Michael said, and you know, it's a, it's a new challenge. He's going to be in the SEC West, which is arguably the toughest division in college football. He's going to butt heads now with Nick Saban, his former boss, and try to become the first assistant coach, former assistant coach, to beat Saban. All right, so A&M got their man, so let's talk about the Florida State side of things. In the last 40 seasons, Florida State has won more national titles than it's had head coaches. Bobby Bowden, Jimbo Fisher, brought championships to Tallahassee in 93 99 and 2013 and no other school in the country can match their turnover rate as every other current power five program has gone through at least three coaches in that span mark you told us yesterday that florida state is looking to hire a minority coach now willie taggart's name has emerged as their top candidate but is there a particular reason fsu is specifically looking for a person of color 
No, I was just told that, you know, that they would like to target one if possible. Stan Wilcox, their AD, is, is interested in hiring the first African-American football coach in Florida State history. Taggart is qualified. He's, he's a Na- Bradenton, Florida native. He's a former head coach at South Florida. Has a really good track record of recruiting recruit, of recruiting kids in Florida. I think he's someone that, that uh, Florida State fans would be happy with. He's only been at Oregon for one year. The Ducks have offered him a contract extension. I think he's at the top of the list. I think Virginia Tech's Justin Fuente, uh, USF's Charlie Strong, and maybe even Kevin Sumlin could be in the mix. I think Sumlin it would be a very viable candidate. Just not sure Florida State wants to trade coaches with the school that just stole theirs. Mm, that would add a layer of intrigue, as they say. Thanks a lot, Mark. We appreciate you joining us. All right, just when you think things couldn't get any more ridiculous at Tennessee, the Vols fired athletic director John Curry after he met with Mike Leach and reportedly agreed to terms with Leach for him to be their next football coach. Curry is being replaced by former Tennessee coach Phil Fulmer, who spoke to the media a short time ago. Apparently, John Curry was working out a deal with Mike Leach, who's one of the best coaches in the country. Why wouldn't you at least give him a chance to make that work? I want to be clear today that we're here to talk about the change in the leadership in the athletics department. I'm not going to talk about coaches at any other schools or at any other places. We first must find us a coach who wants to be at Tennessee, who appreciates the unique opportunity that we have to offer at this very special place at this historical time and who is driven to win at the highest level of college football. Chris Lowe is here with the lowdown. Looked like the Vols were in position to rebound nicely with Mike Leach until they changed the game with Phil Former. So how frustrated, or how are frustrated Vols fans, I beg your pardon, receiving this development? And any idea who's on Phil Former's list for UT's fifth head coach in 11 years? Yeah, Mike, really for the first time in a week, Tennessee fans feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel. They got one of their own, Philip Fulmer, back running the show, and his ability to get indoors with head football coaches, maybe bring back some of the Tennessee family and take a Tennessee family that's been fractured and put it back together. So I think that's the thing when you look at this coaching search and how disastrous it's been, most Tennessee fans I've talked to today are pretty excited about it. I think you're going to see Philip Fulmer talk to T. Martin, former quarterback at Tennessee, now at USC as offensive coordinator. Kevin Steele, Auburn's defensive coordinator, who's done a terrific job and is also a Tennessee grad. There'll be others as well. And that's the thing about having Fulmer back in play. He'll be in New York this next week for the coaches or the Hall of Fame, the coaches convention. There'll be a ton of coaches up there that he'll be able to talk to. And again, with his reputation, the fact he knows so many people, I think there are going to be people that will listen to him that maybe previously were not in play at Tennessee. All right, Chris, thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it. All right, now on to the core second round of the Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas. Tournament host Tiger Woods, three back after shooting 69 on Thursday. Now Tiger looking to get off to a strong start. Second shot on one, 96 yards out. Hits the sand wedge there and drops it in just a couple feet from the hole. He would birdie the hole and get four under for the tournament. Happy learned how to putt. Uh-oh. And after a birdie on three, second shot on four. Drops it a few feet from the hole again with Birdie and get a share, a share of the lead at six under. Now uh, we'll go on to the ninth hole. Now on nine sitting at six under. Second shot from the fairway from 271 out. Three wood. Rips it. Puts it right on the green. He's got that look in his eye. He's got that look. 
He'll be putting for Eagle and the lead from 15 feet out. You know what happens here. Tiger sinks it. And he's got the lead. Feeling the flow, doing the bull dance. <laughs> <laughs> We're all loving it as much as I'm loving your uh, references. Though. Yeah, hey, anytime you get a happy Gilmore in there, you do it. All right, outright lead through nine holes at under after going out at a 531. Now on to 11. Uh, still eight under third shot off the green. Ship looks like it's going in, but it curves at the last minute. That's when you got everything going. Thinks he has it, but of course he's able to birdie the hole because it was that kind of day. Yeah, it was. Uh, now eight under after a bogey at 12. Now teeing off there at 18. He loses this one right. Lands in the gallery. Hopefully didn't hit anybody with a nail in his head. Uh, the ball will plug in the sand, and he would bogey that hole. Tiger shoots one over on the back nine, seven under through two rounds, and tied for fifth. So Tiger goes four under on the day. He's now seven under for the tournament. That puts him tied for fifth, along with some of the best players in the world, including Hideki Matsuyama and Ricky Fowler. Charlie Hoffman is your 36-hole leader at 12 under with Jordan Spieth and Tommy Fleetwood. Three strokes back. Now, when Westgate initially released their Masters Eyes, Tiger was a 100-to-1 long shot. But yesterday morning before the Hero World Challenge began, he was up to 50-to-1. Lay the money, folks. He then jumped to 25-to-1 after 369 on Thursday. And after nine more holes today, he was 15-to-1. Here's Tiger on his day. You know, I think it's successful because I went out there and shot 31 after a nine. You know, I built upon what I did yesterday. I cleaned it up. Um, only thing I really struggled today was speed of the greens. Uh, as I told you guys earlier this week, didn't know what to expect because uh, I hadn't played, I hadn't competed, I haven't had a fuse back before in my life. Um, these are all new things. And as you can see that um, even with the fuse back, I still have some speed out there. And you know, these are all things I've had to learn and will continue to learn. Uh, this is a, a new body that I, I'm getting used to. Do you feel like you can win? <laughs> See, I blame you, Michael Collins. This is your fault. You, you, get, you got everybody hyped. <laughs> right here on this show yesterday, throughout the day, we're doing this again, huh? I'm we do- sorry! It was like, hey, temper expectations. Two rounds in, one shot better than he was Friday last year, and 15-1 to to win the Masters, man. Come on. Really? We're going to do this again. Hey, what you want me to do? We got to the ninth hole when he made that eagle putt. I told you I was trying to temper expectations. That eagle putt goes in. His name goes to the top of the leaderboard. And the whole world, social media and everybody was doing the same thing. Oh, here we go again. Ooh, feeling it. You can't help it. You can't help it. Even though now you got to remember after round one, he was only three shots back in the lead. He's now five shots back in the lead. And you think anybody cares? Nope. <laughs> What's different about him, though, seriously, this year? It, this, whole, this whole comeback is so much different than the other two because he looks so much different with the way that he walks and acts on the golf course. Even you just saw when I asked him, you think you can win? And he just looked at me and goes, what do you think? Just and laughs about it and stuff. The Tiger Woods that was hurt before and was trying to say he was healthy, he never acted like that. This Tiger Woods is the same dude that was winning tournaments and tournaments and tournaments. Now, he's still not 100%, which is why he's five shots back. But just seeing this Tiger Woods out, man, how you not be excited? A because, little bit. Because, Even the haters would be like, eh, I'm glad I can hate him still. 
Nobody, nobody's hating. I just hate to see y'all get y'all mouth all watered up for some hash. Right. Get excited when he's yet to so much as complete majors right. recently. When he just gonna Make leave y'all a, a swallow of Before you start talking about him being one of the <laughs> contenders at Augusta. That's all. Remember, there. the success for Tiger Woods this week is him playing four rounds. Absolutely. So just seeing him play at this level. How you not? This is why everybody's excited. All the right. fact that he touched the leaderboard. <laughs> that's why people went crazy. All right, Michael Collins, uh, continue to enjoy the Bahamas. What actually happened to Michael Collins? How does he? Never mind. Never, like, I know. <laughs> it's been a while since a certain someone's TV side piece wedged his way into the show. Don't hate. You know, Taylor Twelman can replace me if y'all want. Please just say the word. No need to mess around with it. Just do it expeditiously, okay? <laughs> Eight wins, twelve losses, all as Vegas favorites. Three in a row, ninth in the West. And would you believe OKC's offense is actually two points per 100 possessions worse than last season? New Look Thunder, same old problems. They neither pass nor move enough without the basketball. Melo says they aren't concerned. They're angry. Pretty sure they'd just be relieved to get a win tonight against the Wolves. Now, Royce Young, as Mike mentioned, and that was a stat you got from Stats and Info, I assume. Uh, they, the Thunder offense. No, I actually looked it up myself. Treated. <laughs> Actually, I got it from Royce. I got it from your article. <laughs> okay. I think, of it. I, think, I think you pointed that okay, out. Okay, fine. We're yeah. stealing a little bit, yeah. but the point remains. Their offense is worse than it was last year, which is stunning when you consider the fact that they're infinitely more talented. So which of OKC's big three, be it Melo, Russ, Paul George, needs to adjust their game the most in order to make this work? The short answer, Jamel, is Carmelo Anthony, and I think that that often is something that people kind of, it's the low-hanging fruit. Everybody's been saying it for a number of years, especially as Carmelo's aged in the NBA, that he's got to adjust his game. He's got to move to the four. He's got to move the ball more. But really, when you listen to Billy Donovan talk and when he addresses the issues going on right now on the floor for the Thunder, it kind of feels like a subtweet of Carmelo Anthony. He talks about player movement. He talks about ball movement. He talks about too much isolation. One thing that he likes to talk about a lot is non-paint contested twos, which is a staple of Carmelo Anthony's games. But the longer answer, of course, is that it's all three. There's also the fact that Russell Westbrook is heavily adjusting his game. He's taking fewer mid-range shots than he has at any point in his career because this is all kind of a transformation these three guys are going through to learn how to play with one another. But, you know, Billy Donovan has talked about habits, and within those habits, he's trying to break what so many, what these three guys are so used to doing throughout their entire career, which is feeling the pressure and feeling the responsibility to take the game over at times on their own, not trusting the extra pass, not trusting the hockey assist. And that's really what's trying to happen here, and you're seeing how miserable it can be for the Thunder on the court. But something Carmelo said, Jamel, uh, earlier in the season was he wanted to see what it looked like after 20 games. He'd start judging this team after 20 games. Well, tonight against the Timberwolves, game 21. Uh, well, the first 20 games, they haven't looked that great, so I'd be curious to know what his thoughts are after uh, tonight, especially if they don't win. Thanks a lot, Royce. We appreciate you joining us. All right, the World Cup draw was completed this morning. 32 competing countries slotted into eight groups, and a whole lot of people complaining that there's no obvious group of death, though some might argue that Mexico's group with Sweden, Germany, and South Korea is fairly challenging. Anyway, the 48-game first round begins June 14th, and Russia, for what it's worth, 538 Soccer Power Index has 10 teams with at least a 70% chance of advancing into the round of 16. And here's, and here's a closer look at the eight groups in the 2018 World Cup. Host favorite Russia is a heavy favorite to advance out of Group A. Must resist making a joke. While Spain and Portugal are the top two teams in Group B. France is in the favorite uh, in Group C, or is the favorite, rather, with Messi and Argentina uh, are in Group D. Groups E and F feature the SBI favorites and Vegas' Vegas's favorite to win it all, Brazil and Germany. Now, rounding out uh, the top teams in the World Cup are Belgium and England in Group G and Colombia in Group H. 
Now let's go to the incredibly talented, supremely talented Taylor Twelman to break down this draw even further. Jamal, I think when you look at it, two things stand out to me. First and foremost, how many easy groups there are. When you look at the host nation, shocking, right, that they've got an easy group. You look at France, England. Traditionally, England always has an excuse. There's no excuse with their group and their draw. They should be very pleased at that. And even Brazil, to a certain extent. There are a lot of easy groups. So the big nations, the traditional nations, they should get through. But whenever the World Cup comes around, the biggest discussion is about the stars. This is the last time, in my opinion, we'll see Messi in his prime. And the biggest topic of conversation is will he ever win a major trophy for his country? The best players in the world, including Ronaldo, in the history of the game, he won one. Messi hasn't. And if I had to pick the most difficult group out of this draw, I would actually say it is Messi's group. Argentina is heavily favored to get out of it, but Nigeria, Croatia, and even Iceland, that makes it the most balanced group. But the biggest question over the next six months is will Messi ever win a major trophy for Argentina to put his name next to Diego Maradona, Pelé, Franz Beckenbauer, and even Johan Cruyff? This is the biggest talking point, I think, of the World Cup in Russia next summer. All right, now Stanford and USC will get championship weekend starting in about an hour or so, but that's just the appetizer for the bigger meals to come. Number one, Clemson takes on number seven, Miami, as the Tigers look to secure their third straight trip to the college football playoff. Meanwhile, Miami seeking its first conference title since 2003, back when the Canes were with the Big East. Now, to preview such a big game, we decided to bring in a real big-time expert. And Marty Marr, I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> I know how to have a good time, although, Jamel, we're here at the ACC Legends Dinner. Uh, I'm going to emcee that in just a little while. This is highfalutin now. This, this is a real deal out here, Lamar. I got, I got my guy, Lamar Jackson, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Now, I want to present this without comment before I get to Lamar. My man won the Heisman, and he has more passing yards, more completions, a better completion percentage, more yards per carry, more total yards, and more total offense per game than he had last year. Not bad, young man. So I ask you, how would you compare your performance this year to what you did last year when you won the Heisman? Oh, well, you know, during the offseason, Coach judged my head, you know, we need to complete more passes and stuff like that. You know, um, last year I used to just look at one receiver or something like that, you know, just take off running with the ball. You know, this year I just sat in the pocket a lot more, just closed my shoulder. He always did it in my head in practice. You know, close your shoulder when I'm throwing to the far side of the field, complete the ball to my receiver. And that's a lot of things I work. Well, there's a lot more things I work on, but I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> don't be giving up your secrets, yeah, man. Right what comes with winning the Heisman that we don't see? Uh, you just got to be humble about it. You know, you can't just be out there wanting to win that. You got to be having bigger goals like national championship and stuff like that. Then things like that might come to you. All right. I'm going to have to ask you about the question now, baby. Heisman Trophy, you're a contender again this year, had a tremendous year. Where are you in the process of deciding whether you want to stay in school or take it to the league? Oh, uh, probably after the bowl game. You know, I'll probably decide then, but right now I'm focused on the bowl game. All right, where are you leaning? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't have to answer that, man. I, I appreciate your time. My man Lamar is the Offensive Player of the Year in the ACC this year putting up them crazy numbers. Proud of you, man. Thanks for your time. Guys, right. shook you like you in the hole, Marty. I was about to say, man, that's a nice juke move, Lamar, right there. <laughs> we appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, he had the shimmy going. <laughs>
premature explosion of words. Each of the top four teams, though, this week's college football playoff ranking will play in a conference championship game tomorrow, beginning with Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game at 1230 Eastern and ending with the ACC and Big 10 championship games at 8 o'clock. Like nothing Eastern. getting accomplished. No, tomorrow's it. done. Yeah. I already know what that's about. All right. Uh, meanwhile, Ohio State's coach Urban Meyer, he says he will make a game day decision on whether JT Barrett starts and how much he plays in the Big Ten title game against Wisconsin. He confirmed that the senior underwent arthroscopic knee surgery on Sunday. He says it's a very delicate situation and of course they have redshirt freshman Dwayne Haskins waiting in the wings. Waiting eagerly to preview this weekend our own Jesse Palmer. So when I look at these conference title games, with all due respect to, it's just a great competition. Awesome. And all due respect to a team that a lot of people think deserves to be the number one ranked team, and certainly one that nobody wants to see right now, Auburn. I think they probably, if I had to pick one, most likely to lose this weekend. Look, beating Georgia at home, (laughs) Alabama at home, and then going to Atlanta and beating Georgia again, that's a tall order. No disrespect to Auburn, but that would be something. Give them a Lombardi trophy if they beat those three teams and win those three games in the four weeks. They beat Georgia 40-17. I hear you. They just beat Alabama. I'm not saying they're not good. And I agree with you. Oh, okay. Oh, way, to, way to build that up. Way I actually think they're the team in the top four right now most likely to lose this weekend. People at home think we're nuts, but there's a massive wild card here. Carry on. Carry on Johnson yep. at running back might not play in this game because of that shoulder injury that we saw against Alabama. And, guys, he's not only their best offensive player, this guy should be a Heisman finalist in my opinion. And in that first game against Georgia, he was a workhorse. He carried the ball 32 times, also led the offense and received and he brings a real physicality to this offense as well. He can run between the tackles. He breaks tackles, really finds those hidden yards. If he can't go, Cam Martin has to go at running back. I think he's very talented. He's only 5'9", 182. Can't do a lot of the same things they like to do on offense with Cam Martin. Of course, that first game was at Jordan-Hare Stadium. The fact that it's now at Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta, I think gives Georgia a much better chance especially if on Johnson can't go. For me, uh, it's Ohio State. Uh, They're favored over the Badgers. Obviously, we know there's a serious injury situation uh, with JT Barrett. And and look, I know uh, redshirt freshman Dwayne Haskins looked pretty good in relief against Michigan, but I think JT Barrett for this kind of game is the type of guy that they need. And not to mention, look, we've been disrespecting Wisconsin for weeks. Uh, Oh, really? Really? We, the people out there... Some on, people on, have, been, Wisconsin. have been disrespecting okay. Wisconsin. And if you look at their history in the Big Ten championship game, whenever they've been an underdog, it's kind of boded well for them. So I think they're going to come into this game with a chip on their shoulder. Ohio State being a little bit weakened if they can. If they do have JT Bear, because he may not be at full mm-hmm. strength, I think this is a perfect setup game for them to go ahead and play their way isn't into the am- final isn't four. Isn't it amazing that Wisconsin is not the favorite in that I game? No, know. Really. I mean, everyone always Typical. wants to talk about the resume, who have they played, but they've looked so dominant now in their last three times out against some yeah. pretty good teams in Iowa and Michigan this past week against Minnesota, too. And just, it's one of the best defenses in the country, period. Jonathan Taylor is one of the best running backs in the country, period. Alex Hornibrick's playing so well at quarterback. So it's surprising to me the Badgers are you know, You know what's the ultimate sign of disrespect is you have people, not going to say no names, but you have people saying that even if Wisconsin wins, they don't belong in the top four. Yeah. But if Ohio State were to win, how many people standing on the table for Ohio State? Oh, lots. a ton. <laughs> they beat Wisconsin. All right, let's, let's talk about uh, this Pac-12, or the Pac-12 championship game tonight, rather, at 8 Eastern on ESPN between number 12 Stanford, number 10 USC. Trojans, they rolled over Stanford September 9th. Sam Darnold threw for 300 yards, had four touchdowns. Uh, tonight will likely be, or a lot of people believe, it'll be his last game as he projects to go high in the NFL draft. Now, Jesse, 
uh, given not just with the draft status, but I think there has been some doubts about Sam Darnold because his performance this season been a little more up and down, a little more inconsistent, though he's kind of leveled out some. How significant is this game for him personally? Huge game. And this is a championship game. It's a conference championship game, and it's on a national stage. So I think this game is big for him, for his legacy in USC, mm-hmm. uh, winning a Pac-12 championship, but also, obviously, for his NFL draft stock. And that's right. really why a lot of eyeballs are in on this game tonight as well. And you mentioned it earlier. Nobody denies Sam Darnold's talent throwing the football. The issue has been the turnovers, and he has 19 this year, which leads the FBS. Good news, though, he's been trending in the right direction now in the last four games. He's had one or fewer turnovers in each of the last four games. That's the good news. Now, what you have to understand, Stanford's defense – this isn't the same dominant Stanford defense we were seeing when they were winning Pac-12 mm-hmm. championships and going on to play in Rose Bowls and Fiesta Bowls. This defense isn't as physical up front. They don't have the same pass rush. So I expect Sam Darnold to play at a very, very high level tonight. We'll have to find out what happens. And what's Stanford plus 14 turnover margin, something like that this year? Yeah, so. they're very, very good at taking the ball. You're very good at analysis. <laughs> right, just in case you didn't know yeah, that. It's, it's just, yeah, yeah right. we're just showering each other with Don't make it weird, man. <laughs> Can you imagine a more pivotal week as it relates to the NFC playoff picture. Week 13 features six of the seven teams competing for playoff spots. Going head-to-head. Vikings in Atlanta, Panthers in New Orleans, Eagles in Seattle on Sunday Night Football. Okay, we talked about Saturday. What's getting done Sunday, as usual? Uh, Let's hone in on one of those matchups, Vikings at uh, Falcons. Good news for Atlanta is the Falcons get Devontae Freeman back from missing two games with a concussion. Bad news, cornerback Desmond Trufant out with a concussion. A lot of folks who are out on the Falcons and taking every opportunity to get in a 28-3 joke. Atlanta was losing leads in three of four games. But here they are, winners of three straight, and at 7-4, a game back in the South. Teddy Bruschi, Mike Zimmer said that facing the defending NFC champ is going to be, quote-unquote, a great test. Everybody talks about the Eagles, Vikings, Rams, Saints, Panthers, even the Seahawks in the NFC. But are people, if this is possible, actually sleeping on the defending NFC champs, Falcons, just a little bit? Yeah, I'd say so, especially since, I mean, you've got to understand the mental strain it had to be at the beginning of the year, getting used to a new offensive coordinator and still getting over that Super Bowl. I don't care what they said about moving on from it. I lost the Super Bowl when we were 18-0. and it was so hard to think about it that next season, to not think about it that next season, the entire offseason. When you lose a certain way, I mean, the, the way that they lost, it was hard to put it behind them. So absolutely, now that they've gotten their stride, yes, we can lose. Yes, we can come back from uh, losing a couple and then form another streak again. Our quarterback, can, we can get used to this offensive coordinator and our young defense. We can hit it stride again. Here we go. We got all that behind us now. We know how to deal with adversity. Let's start playing. So you really need to respect that Falcon team, I think. Yeah, I I did hear that, all right. But I do think it's helped them a a little bit, the fact that you have the the Rams and Eagles. They've been surging. And so to some degree, crazily enough, I think that's taken a little bit of pressure off of Atlanta because all of a sudden they aren't the the, the pretty ones in the the NFC. Everybody's A lot of exciting new stories in the NFC. Yeah, they're flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, Speaking of which, Case Keenum. Your boy, right? So Mike Zimmer seems to keep dangling the, the starting quarterback job in front of him, going taking this as a week-to-week thing. He's not going to play of the month in his week Right. I don't, I don't have a problem with it personally. Now, do you, you consider this kind of baffling on Mike Zimmer's part, or is this just kind of a strategy to keep Case Keenum hungry, keep him humble? Yeah, you don't mess with that. Yeah. You don't mess with any type of streak, any type of momentum that's going on, any type of replacement player that comes in 
and it's doing well and all of a sudden you come back just because you're healthy now but wait a second it's he not only is he keeping Keenum uh, focused all right and on his job but he's also sending a message to his entire team you play better than him and you, you, you get that starting job for any way and you play a certain way for a couple weeks you can hold on to it so keep working as your depth it'll help you develop your depth if your depth believes that if you go down and I go in and I go in and I'm playing well, yeah. I'm going to stay in. So it's, a, it's, it's an entire team message, I think, that you, that you send by, by not just saying, okay, Teddy B's back, there you go, put him in, Case Keenum, you're out. No, you're playing well, you're the guy. We focused on Xavier Rhodes versus Julio Jones. That's going to be fun to keep watch. Keep a camera on them. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Appreciate yeah. you, man. All right, guys. Donovan Mitchell, he went for 24 and as usual went hard in the paint. Oof. So that Austin Rivers on his behalf, calling him the best rookie besides Ben Simmons. Give it up for the short and his jazz. 3-0 this week with Mitchell leading the way. Bam! Tiger Woods doing his thing in the Bahamas, following up his first round 69. Another impressive round at the Hero World Challenge. Ninth hole, three wood, 271 out, catches it perfectly, reaches the par five and two, and struggles with the par fives in round one. Set up an eagle putt from about 15 feet. Drops it for eagle. And takes the outright lead at nine under. Went out in 31, and people went crazy. The odds just <laughs> <laughs> they went to 15 to 1. It's unbelievable. He was shoot one over on the back nine to finish with the four under 60. 87 under for the tournament. Five shots back up. Lay the tuition on it, folks. <laughs> Do it. As I mentioned, when Westgate initially released their Masters odds, Tiger 100 to 1 long shot. Yesterday morning, before the Hero World Challenge began, he was up to 50 to 1. Put 20 on it. 25 to 1 after that 69 on Thursday. Nine holes today got him to 15 to 1. Four players in the field for Augusta have better odds than that. Scott Van Pelt. Let's just enjoy it for what it is and not try to project. See, he's he trying <laughs> to steal on. our joy right now. <laughs> um, because we remember how fun it was, mm-hmm. I, I think. And, and it, it was amazing to see what happened uh, in, in, in real time as this is happening. Because it's, you know, it's a Friday. Maybe I mean, people are at work. They don't necessarily have access to a television or whatever. But people realize, wait, he's doing it again. I thought I heard you yelling from across campus. Man, I was, <laughs> look, I, I was lucky enough. My whole career in this, in this industry is because I was at the Golf Channel yeah. when this guy came onto the scene. So am I allowed to root for him to, to be good again? I don't care if I'm allowed to or not. I'm going to root for totally him to be good again. Because it's, I, well, we, we, we live for content, and there's rarely has there been content like Tiger. And so does this event matter in the grand scheme? It does not. But when a player that was down there told me before the event started, if he stays healthy, he will win this year, I was like, hold on, what? I, and I said, what? win this year, not this event. He said, if he stays healthy, he'll win this year. And I said, he looks that good. He said, once he knocks the rust off, like he can, he's got – He's got game. It's there. And this is the first time since he's fused his back together that he's been relatively healthy. So, look, baby steps. Finish an event. Mm-hmm. Hopefully be pain-free. This event doesn't matter in the grand scheme. But you see the way that those odds are plummeting. The bookmakers don't want to have this type of exposure. If he's right and goes to Augusta, they don't want to lose their shirts. Well, everybody talks about the health being one different aspect uh-huh. uh, and why this comeback feels a little different. Anything else you can see about why you think this will be maybe different for him than the other comebacks we've seen? What's fascinating is that he's an underdog, which it, it, you, you, you'd have won every dollar I had in 2000 if you sold me a story that involved him someday being this, this comeback, you know, scrappy underdog story. And I think he's what's different is the, the health that we talk about. And he, he mentions his kids like he's the, he's the YouTube golfer. His kids never saw it. And I think that 
as a dad, as a dad now, the idea that his kids could be old enough to see him be that guy again, maybe not, maybe not that guy, but just a guy again out there. I think that I know how much his kids mean to him, as they mean to every parent. Yeah. He's not unique in that sense, but. He's unique in the sense that he's the father that was that was Tiger Woods, and he still is Tiger Woods. Yeah. So I think he's he'd love to show him what what Dad could do. Obviously, one of the most mentally tough athletes we've mm-hmm. ever seen. So he comes in with low expectations. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's expectations are out of whack. It'll be interesting to see how he handles the expectations that he's going to end up placing on himself. So I, I think, and I, I we didn't speak specifically other than I just I just said, hey man, have fun. Yeah. You know? right. And uh, oh, you talked to him recently. We, we we trade notes from time to time, yeah. and uh, I don't want to. Kids call them texts. I, 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 you know how we do. <laughs> I, I didn't I don't want to fill his head with any nonsense yeah. about any any speeches because who am I to give him one? I think his expectation was to go compete. I mean that that's been his fallback forever. He just wants to compete. He wants to go do that. If he does that, that's that's enough for this week. Once we get to the real, you know, the season, then then he'll worry about winning. All right, uh, so the Clippers, they failed to the Jazz, having their three-game win streak snap. Now, Austin Rivers, he snapped on a fan, even though he did have a team high. Sometimes you just say five points. Yeah, sometimes, look, today ain't the day and I ain't the one. Sometimes you got to tell people that. You're like, hey, yo, hey, listen, man. I don't know Austin. He doesn't know me. But for it to get to that point where we just caught it. Right. It had to be going on for a while. And everybody that says, he apologized, by the way. Big, yeah, but everybody yeah. says walk away from a beat a bigger person. You ain't dealing with it. Yeah. I mean, he also apologized because it was the wrong fan, too. Um, all right. Oh, I'm sorry. That's me. <laughs> I'll be releasing an interview with uh, Otani, Japanese sensation Otani, who was posted today, by the way. They conducted it in February. They asked him, what cities are you curious to see? And Otani replied, it's the Rocky Balboa statue. He said, I want a picture of that. And the reporter replied, well, Philly has a baseball team, you know. And Otani said, no, I just want to visit there. So, as I mentioned, more importantly, this team has received the go-ahead to post. The window to negotiate big league clubs expires at 11.59 on December 22nd. But I've never seen the Rocky Balboa. Really? Right? Yeah. Yeah, I really want to see it. Yeah. That's a, a time-honored tradition in Philly. All right, Ben McAdoo met with the media today. Had some interesting, interesting excuse me, things to say about how he handled the Eli Manning situation. We were on the same page with how it was going to be handled. John didn't seem like he was on the same page, though, what he said to us. We were on the same page. He, John said that Jerry told him that you guys, you and Jerry, had discussed this plan, I guess, before John went to Jerry. When when did you guys start discussing this? We were on the same page. I was honest. Uh, I was up front with Eli, and uh, I don't have any regrets with the way it was handled. No regrets, huh? Yep. Not, not, not a single letter. letter. <laughs> not one letter? <laughs> what you expect him to say? I don't know. He said, I regret, uh, yeah, it should have been handled better, then why'd you do it? Right. You know, so... Look, bottom line is, like, while they may not have been anticipating the reaction right until he's probably out of there, they might not have been anticipating the reaction. But, look, they were all convicted to do something. They wanted Eli to sit in the story, right? In the file. They should have known that he was not going to go along with that. They should have known this would be more about Geno Smith, if anything. So that's the latest message painted on the Rock in Knoxville. Welcome to the Tennessee Browns. Here's the thing. The Browns at least hire coaches. I mean, then they fire them. That's true. You know. So, who else is in the running? Why not? Be a hell of a motivator. Hit him him with it. I was going to say you should have a play called Woo! <laughs> right, if he was. Now you know it's bad if Ric Flair is jumping into this. That's how much a debacle this has come. I got excited with Mike Leach this morning. Mike, that'd have been a hell of a rebound. Would have been. All right, so the Jimbo Fisher craziness. This is how crazy it got. My man put out his Christmas tree, <laughs> threw it out on the front lawn. Somebody snapped a photo. 
and it just kind of hot. Tell sign. Forget you know about your flames. <laughs> right. You know, tail letter, no, tail numbers. Like, this is how you know somebody's really done. Yeah. They put out the Christmas tree, throw it in the trash. On before, December first. On December first. Yeah, like we like I'm out of here. Like okay. Then, no. like that. <laughs> it was. What was hilarious to me is a reporter who got this. Last name was McGahee, Florida State. I know yeah. he went to Miami, but. Right. It was something kind of funny about the Senate. Yeah, that's there. on the docket for us this weekend, putting up our Christmas tree. My kids want me to put up lights. I'm like, nah. Well, outdoors? No, no, outside the house. No like that car, mansion no you got? Griswold for me. Before we call it a day, who had a good day? All right. It was a good day, a good night for Dez Bryant. Significant milestone here. He caught a 72nd touchdown pass and a win over Washington, which allows him to pass Hall of Famer Bob Hayes for the franchise It's a big record. deal in that franchise. It is a huge, Michael a Lerner, huge, huge deal. It's unbelievable. And today... 15th anniversary. We talked about Falcons, Vikings earlier. It's the 15th anniversary oh, of that insane 46 oh, yard run. Go, Mike Vick. Go. <laughs> he had 173 yards rushing and passing in that. God. I know. Singular, singular yeah. talent. That's it for the six. Sports Center continues on ESPN2. College football countdown next, followed by the Pac 12 championship. We'll see y'all Monday on E2. See y'all.